are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. And so I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands this conversation. And I often draw on the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as from my own consulting experience, including the work I do today in Signium, which is a global management consulting firm. I will get to my program in just a moment, but let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Henda Samaran, who is a real estate broker with Dave Perry Miller Real Estate in Dallas, Texas, and the author of Grit Under My Nails, a memoir in three acts. We talked about her own journey fueled by grit through various careers, battling and surviving breast cancer and a heart attack, and living life literally by sucking its marrow breath by breath. It was an incredibly inspiring conversation. With us this week is Dr. Andrea Zintz, who is the president of Strategic Leadership Resources and co-author of the book, Orchestrating Sustainable Innovation, A Symphony in Soundbites, which is launching in March 2018. We'll be talking about what leaders can do to shape, stimulate, and support innovation in organizations, as well as how the principles of jazz can lead to innovation. Andrea, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you. It's an honor to be part of your show. (laughs) So looking forward to this conversation, Andrea. Innovation is something that we hear a lot about today. It's, It's a very important topic when we think about just how competitive the landscape is today to stay relevant and vibrant in today's marketplace. Innovation is a very, very important ingredient. So very happy to have your perspective and your years of experience. So um, to get us started here, I wanted to talk about something that started my human capital career 20-some years ago, and that's the talent acquisition part of things. And so I know that you've got a perspective that about innovative leaders and what they're looking for in talent today, which is probably different from what it was when I began. So what do we, what do we need today in talent? Well, um, of course, when you're considering talent, uh, you always want to lay the foundation for talent acquisition um, with the strategic plan for the organization. Where, where are you really trying to go? Now, this involves looking at the whole system, both in the present and aspirationally, noticing sort of recurrent patterns and other factors that might uh, either inhibit or support new thinking and possibilities. So then it's about looking for the kind of talent who have strategic mindset, they can take the long-term view, they can be, and you hope they are, divergent thinkers who can think creatively to generate new ideas and approaches. And if the talent, um, the talent um, that innovative leaders are looking for are other leaders, then you really want to look for the ability to shape the right mindset for others. Can these candidates provide structural, developmental, and social support? Um, is, it, is this a leader that can shape innovation? Um, having the opportunity to bring in others who fit in the current culture, but also think creatively to generate new ideas and approaches. 
And another characteristic of talent for innovation is the ability to gain the buy-in, the sponsorship, and the commitment necessary to attract leaders and investors who would support new ideas and approaches. Sounds like a really fantastic palette of talent to me. Now, for, for our listeners, and by the way, Andrew, we, we enjoy listenership across the globe, um, so we, we're speaking to all different kinds of people here. Contrast for us how this particular need for kind of talent would, would be different from, say, you know, 20 years ago or 10 years ago even. How is it different from then? Well, historically, a company's view of an ideal hire was somebody who had broad practical experience as well as knowledge of the industry. So while in the past that was usually an internal candidate, you know, leaders eventually realized and they found themselves somewhat limited by hiring only from within, especially when this tended to recycle old ideas and perpetuate the status quo. So a common strategy today is to partner with research organizations, universities, and other sources of intellectual energy that can be imported and then developed. For example, this practice uh, of doing this kind of external um, recruitment prompted leaders at very progressive companies such as Apple to take another tack. By recruiting individuals from outside the company's industry, then these leaders could rely on new employees to infuse new ideas and challenge current thinking and establish new business practices. Another limitation of past hiring practices was the tendency to recruit only people with strong technical skills. Now today, we see some new trends. For example, changes in the admissions policies of medical schools, as as an example. At one time, these medical schools only accepted applicants with hard science backgrounds. Yet when graduates began practicing as physicians, they were often unable to relate effectively to people including patients. Knowing this, administrators in medical schools began to accept liberal arts applicants in addition to those with backgrounds in the hard sciences. In fact, today, one school even mandates that once admitted, students must visit art museums to understand Mm -hmm. what various artists are attempting to communicate through their work. The goal there is to produce physicians with both technical and soft skills who can relate to patients' human conditions as well as their medical issues. Um, you know, how might leaders also apply this practice in the public and private sectors, um, not just the, um, you know, not, not just um, companies? So many organizations today are attempting to attract attract talent with both soft and hard skills, uh, such as those taught now in STEM education, um, and with its focus on science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, Attracting and recruiting talent um, then is followed by intentional onboarding practices with attention to retaining employees with required skill sets and leveraging their abilities and efforts. So leaders, just like employees, need both the technical and the administrative, you know, the hard skills, as well as the emotional and relationship intelligence, or the soft skills. And one way to ensure that employees learn them both is by having them engage in dialogues that stimulate new ways of thinking and operating. And when leaders teach employees how to communicate, such as by skillfully and strategically asking questions, listening, sharing ideas, then they promote 
employees' abilities to influence through participation in problem-solving and decision-making. Oh, my gosh, Andrew, there was so much really good meat there that you just gave us. Thank you for that thought leadership. I want to weigh in just quickly, just presencing some of the, the work I've been doing recently in this consulting space, and that just to bring it and apply it to the, what I've been seeing in the real world as well, um, and that is that we're working with an organization right now who has most of its senior leadership actually in their HR team that have been there for like 20 and 30 years, mm-hmm. and very, very little the organization, so just like you were saying, there's a lot of depth and experience within the organization, but not much from without. And so it's very, there's not very much innovation happening there because there's no new ideas to stimulate that. So they're starting to bring in some newer people from outside the company, as you were saying, even outside the industry, and what a difference that's making to really stir things up. And then also what I was just thinking about when you were talking, Andrea, is I just got off a, uh, a booster session call with one of our clients, and we, were, we had them working on a project to be able to inculcate the inspirational leader work that we were working with them on, and we asked them to do projects together across the nation. They don't normally do that together as a team. They stay very, very regional or even by city. And they were incredibly amazed by the, the stimulation that they got by working together across talents and divisions and what that produced in the, in the project. So just, again, some of that mixing that you're talking about that seems to be so important to produce something entirely different. So just really wanted to comment that I just got that, and it was just exciting. Well, you know, innovation has so much to do with adjacencies. So something that mm. was done in the auto industry might be, uh, you could maybe import that and reset it in a, maybe in, a, in the retail um you know, we're in the, in the wardrobe industry. You know, you never know where you're going to pull a fabulous idea that could be uh, adjacent to and applicable to something totally different. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Dr. Andrea Zen. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. 
Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Dr. Andrea Zintz, who is the president of Strategic Leadership Resources and the co-author of the book, Orchestrating Sustainable Innovation, A Symphony in Soundbites. Before starting her own consulting practice, Andrea served in two executive roles at Johnson & Johnson as vice president of human resources for the J&J subsidiary Ortho Biotech, Inc., and subsequently as director of leadership development at J&J corporate headquarters. We've been talking in, about the whole notion of talent acquisition and that strategy, and also the notion of what goes into the, the, this idea of adjacency, how we can maybe borrow ideas from one industry and apply them to another. So next, Andrea, if we can, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the making of a culture of innovation. I, we do a lot of work around culture, but maybe specifically in that space of creating one that's aimed at igniting innovation, something very specific. So tell us what, what some important things we need to know about that. Oh, great. Well, we all know that the way a business gets done is heavily influenced by an organization's culture. And cultures consist of attitudes, values, and habits that are expressed through its norms or unwritten rules of behavior. Now, in some cultures, um, there is often a crisis du jour mentality, uh, the tyranny of the urgent at play. Skilled <laughs> leaders tend to counter this by slowing it down, listening carefully, asking questions of themselves and others, and exploring creative ideas. And these practices are critical elements in creating a culture for innovation and also in establishing good leadership credibility. In fact, a mindset of curiosity is one of the most challenging yet valuable aspects of sustainable innovation. To co-generate win-win solutions with employees, leaders should, on a very daily basis, help create and model constant dialogue about how actions and decisions are matching up to the standards that are professed in one's company vision and, and the value statements that companies usually abide by. And since the most skilled leaders ask more than tell, they tend to model and elevate that ability to ask questions skillfully. And when they do this, they strategically build these leaderships, leadership skills in other people. So the best mm-hmm. questions do lead to the best thinking. And to create culture around innovation, leaders can identify the current practices and behaviors that will yield rewards, as well as practices that serve as obstacles to innovation. Most people in an organization tend to want to behave according to what's rewarded. Leaders should then identify the normative behaviors and ask What are the prevailing success models in the organization? To sustain an innovative culture, 
Leaders should also focus on the practices that their organizations will need in the future, such as those which connect to to the vision and the strategy. This type of ongoing examination ensures that the behaviors that are necessary to achieve innovation, um, to achieve the goals and objectives, become opportunities, you know, growth plans. And it also establishes very common language and very clear expectations for practices needed for the organization. If the stated vision and the policies are at odds with what gets rewarded through both formal and informal means, then employees will do what they think will bring about success. And since innovation and change typically require risk-taking, leaders can do well by reinforcing a new norm to show appreciation to people when they experiment and learn from failure and mistakes. Leaders should also recognize employees when they advocate for something that they believe is important and when they achieve something great in the face of challenges or obstacles. So there's one more watch out on this when you're creating or shifting to a culture of innovation. Our human brains are wired, hardwired, to intuit whether another person is a friend or a foe. So there's a tendency to favor collaborating with people who we view as being a lot like us. And because diversity can run counter to existing cultural norms and create some tension, leaders should be skilled in change management. And human resource professionals today should be able to work as teams of internal consultants together to actively engage leaders in diversity efforts and create cultures that value and embrace diversity. It is so key to a culture of innovation. Andrea, I want to go back to something that you said back there. It just really brought me back to a conversation we had on Friday. As a firm at Insignium, we will read thought leadership books, and then we also enroll uh, our, many of our clients to do the same so that they can join in the conversation and continue their own learning journey as well as leaders. And we read Creative Confidence together. And one of the things that we were talking about, which is what you mentioned, was you know, when you're in it, when you're trying to be able to to create an organization and innovate, you do go out on the line there. And so, being able to recognize employees when they don't necessarily innovate, or even you know, actually when they fail, when they actually find out we well, we found 16 reasons or 16 ways it doesn't work. Now, <laughs> maybe the next one will be how it actually does work. But recognizing that it was an important part of the process and, and celebrating it. And so one of the things that you talk about in your book that I think is interesting I'd like to hear a little bit more about is the notion, the role of trust and safety. Yes. And they're so important to shaping innovation. Trust is a very potent factor in creating an environment that fosters and sustains innovation. If employees don't feel safe enough to take risks and experiment with new behaviors that support the goals that you're trying to achieve then the chances of introducing innovation will be slim to none. We're talking about psychological safety here. When attempting to build trust, leaders should be willing to listen deeply for what may underlie an employee's requests or their demands. For example, these might include issues arising from complaints, work commitments that have made work-life balance difficult, processes they experience as unwieldy, Leaders can help create and model dialogue on a daily basis and sort of co-generate win-win solutions with employees. 
This increases the sense of psychological safety. Risk tolerance is also an essential element that drives innovation. As we just talked about, successful leaders help employees summon their courage for new tasks and develop new behaviors or skill sets by tapping into the principles to which they're most committed. You know, another way in which leaders help employees build risk tolerance is when they create effective risk management strategies and they establish guidelines and some guardrails for employees. These structures create psychological safety and this important trust or safety in an organization's culture makes it easier for employees to raise potential risks and discover mitigating strategies before any possible disasters can occur. And leaders of innovation reinforce risk tolerance by recognizing and rewarding people who exhibit trust, take calculated risks, and demonstrate a willingness to continue and persist in innovating. Oh my goodness! There's so much in there, Andrea, and I you, you have a very uh, very sing song voice. It's uh, I don't know how much radio you've done, but it's very lovely to hear your voice in the way that it, it sounds. So, uh, yeah, um, this is a little bit of a different direction. We, we've been talking about how to shape innovation, and this next question might get more into the, the the supporting it or stimulating it. But that is, you've got a whole section in your book about casting meaningful and inspiring visions, and of course, most of us have heard about inspirational leadership and the importance of being able to have vision, but would you say a little bit about what what you mean by casting meaningful and inspiring visions? Absolutely. Um, Boy, communicating shared visions and values is such a critical thing for inspiring high performance. Um, And it works at the individual level, the team level, and the organizational levels. And it's not just one way. Two-way communication also ensures alignment between the employee's goals and ambitions and the strategic agenda that the leaders are trying to drive. Now, as human beings, we all sort of make meaning, right? We we interpret things through a filter, and we make meaning out of it. And since all meaning is a meaning, is uh, really socially constructed, leaders can use this as a very powerful force. On the whole, leaders want their people to experience a feeling or or have a dream because these are what help to overcome fear and what will ultimately endure through challenge. We've probably watched leaders stimulate people when they're speaking passionately about their missions and their vision as well as what personally moves them. This is important. Leaders can encourage employees and other critical stakeholders by helping them see how their unique roles contribute to the organization's mission and vision. And to be sufficiently stimulated to innovate, people really benefit from frequent communication about how the work they're doing connects to the greater good. Then they can relate the importance of their roles and the ways in which their work makes a significant difference, helping to create that storyline and make meaning. Examples of meaningful activities or outputs might include clear and accurate information for enhanced decision-making, help in cures for diseases, or products and services that improve people's quality of life in general. Now, author and educator Jim Cousins is a contributor to our book. He wrote The Leadership Challenge, and he um, talks about leaders on their ability to show how innovation itself has value and can be brought about in meaningful ways. 
in our interview with him for our book, he said, people don't think of life in statistics or metrics. Uh, Jim Cousins believes that the ways in which leaders communicate with employees reflect the meaning behind innovation. What employees tell themselves about their roles, their responsibilities, and their goals concerning certain innovation is very important. When people commit to a shared vision collectively, they want to feel, and they often feel, a part of something larger than themselves. And that's what creates synergy. Leaders can initiate these kind of conversations to stimulate new thinking. And when they do this, they manage the creative energy that helps shape an innovative culture, an innovation-type culture, and helps employees see that they're assets um, that are worthy of an investment of time and energy. Sharing new knowledge and facilitating provocative and engaging conversations among team members and across department boundaries, these are examples of what leaders can do to raise the excitement about what may be possible, especially as it relates to a vision, an image of what can, ha- what can be attained. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging on every word, Andrea, because it's, of course, very much in alignment with the work that, that we do as a firm and the work that I've been doing for years also in leadership development. And, uh, you know, when, when I think about what, what we're up to in terms of, like, breakthrough performance kind of work, Andrea, a lot of times what we're doing is just what you're saying is we're helping develop in leaders this notion of how do you tell the story in a way that enrolls people to your vision and such that they can't resist, basically. And, and you do it, and I like the way that you said this, right, being able to connect their individual role and their contribution to something bigger, it takes language to do that, right? And so it may not be obvious to the person who's doing a particular part of the job because they can't see, they can't see the threat. So being able to do that as a leader is something that I think is really, really important and, and terribly prized, especially in an innovation initiative. So really appreciate the way that you put that all together for us. And then well, related to and that, one, yeah, one go ahead, you're going to say something else? Yes, one other kind of quick example of that is um, it, orthobiotech, we used to have town halls with uh, employees. And some of mm. the people who were operate, operators and, you know, on the, uh, on the line creating pharmaceutical drugs didn't really understand or couldn't really grasp how meaningful their role was in producing things that changed and improved the quality of other people's lives, of patients' lives. So at our meetings, we would invite some of the patients who, whose lives were turned around or improved by the product Brilliant. they were making. And I have to uh-huh. tell you just how incredible it was for these employees when they left. They really felt the meaning and the importance of what they were contributing. I think that is a brilliant example, Andrea. It reminds me of the, when I was doing my meeting and work research. Um, you and I both went to fielding. That was how this whole thing began. I don't know if you remember that, but that's, yes, that's I do. our orig- original connection point. Um, but I remember distinctly when I was interviewing a, a CIO of a very large food service, a food company, and his whole thing was, I want to stay as close to the heartbeat of the customer as I can so I can hear it beating. I can be connected to that heartbeat. So important to, to be able to do that. So I, I really love that idea of a town hall and bringing in the, the patients. That's amazing. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, if we can, it's one of my favorite topics, by the way, Andrea. You have a, another section about signals and motivators. Uh, motivation is something that I've been very intrigued with because really at the heart of it, it gets to energy. And I'm all about energy. Anybody who knows me, I talk fast. I walk fast. <laughs> I care what gets people going and up in the morning. So tell us a little bit about that, that perspective on signals and motivators. 
Well, great. One of the things that a foundation for this is that leaders, um, actually anyone who is um, being um, inspirational in any way, are communicating almost all the time, whether they're consciously aware of it or not. And this communication occurs when followers interpret nonverbal communication as well as action or non-action as signals. Followers uh, also attribute meaning to a leader's nonverbal messages when they share their perceptions with others. And for this reason, very effective leaders in um, almost everywhere benefit by consciously giving clear and unambiguous signals. It means being mindful. Leaders should also provide the necessary vision and structure while still allowing their partners latitude in how they express. So keeping in mind that signals enable leaders to exercise their authorities, employees are, uh, especially today, are unlikely to tolerate uh, authoritarian or dictatorship behavior. Why? Well, neuroscience has really taught us a lot and confirms that our brains are hardwired to see the lack of autonomy as a threat. People feel safer with the ability to make choices. So leaders must stimulate their followers with signals that strike the right balance between too much structure or structure and freedom. Now, I have an example of this. I've witnessed some managers use what I call the symbolic act as a clear signal. When I was with J&J, an executive who I greatly admired employed this exemplary strategy when he took on a new leadership role in corporate administration. His name is Roger. Roger questioned a very long-standing and unpopular policy that allocated all award travel mileage to the company. Oh. By subsequently changing the system to assign award miles back to the travelers, he sent a very strong signal. Without any words, he showed that he could listen to all these complaints and act in the best interest of hardworking employees who had to travel for work. Leaders like Roger engage in symbolic acts when they clearly and thoroughly communicate plans, visions, and goals while simultaneously encouraging people to challenge the status quo, question long-held assumptions. One way that leaders can do this effectively is the way in which they seek out and obtain the answers to questions. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the other things I wanted to talk a little bit more about. You've already mentioned this notion that leaders should do more more listening and questioning than talking. And I wanted you to talk a little bit more about the power of inquiry. I certainly understand the power of that really generously listening to someone speak, but but eliciting their thoughts and, and their and, and, and their passions. I think it's becoming almost a, a bit of a lost art almost. So it really stands out when it's done well. So what can you tell us about this the power of inquiry and how we can use it, especially when we're trying to stimulate innovation? Well, two habits can really help with this. The first is asking questions that open up new possibilities in thinking, rather than the kind of questions where we know the answers and you, the listener, needs to get it right. You know what I mean? So it's asking um, questions that come from curiosity. The second is taking multiple perspectives. So when leaders try out the point of view of someone whose ideas are usually dismissed, they can learn and bring about value from that diversity of thought. Uh, For example, when a question asked inside an old model of thinking 
can only be answered from outside it. That's when paradigm shifts occur. Mm-hmm. Now, in the same sense, innovation in processes, products, or services can represent a response to a new question or to an old question asked in a new way. And that's why innovative leaders thrive on inquiry. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. I was once in a strategic planning meeting. It was another J&J company, and I was facilitating. And one of the leaders in the group was very quiet. And there was an Just argument about to go on, there mm-hmm. uh, regarding the, uh, the definition of a particular term. And the whole strategy really depended on being able to align and understand this term. And while they were talking, all of a sudden, the guy raised his hand, this company president raised his hand, and he said, well, what do we mean by, and he named the word, what do we mean by this word? And everybody turned around like he was out of, you know, well, everybody knows the answer to that, and they tried to teach him. And while they were arguing with him about trying to define the word, they realized they didn't have a common definition of this word. And the, by just asking that simple, what sounded like a clueless question, it changed the entire dialogue to one that helped to move it forward and create a very innovative new strategy. So innovators often search for new questions and new answers because they know if they keep asking the same questions, they're going to keep, keep getting the same old answers. And to produce a new response and potentially create a different future than expected, a person needs to ask a new question. The juncture at which a new inquiry opens up a new path often occurs at the very moment it's asked, just like I did in that example. The difference between leaders who are innovative and those who aren't depends in large part on the way in which they ask questions of themselves and others. And because of that, no question exists apart from its delivery. The way in which leaders deliver a a query and express their intention can speak louder than any words. Whether they ask questions of themselves or others, leaders' inquiries can come across as requests or invitations or missiles. And those who are skilled in the art of question asking deliver it in a very constructive way rather than as a way to intimidate or criticize or show how much they know. It's very important to ask questions with a mindset of authentic curiosity. The big difference between a mindset of curiosity and one that's judgmental includes how flexible a person is, their respect for another person's point of view, and their ability to operate in a resolution-seeking or problem-seeking mode. Since our mindset consists of attitudes, the power of leadership resides in the ability to observe ourselves and choose a particular mindset from which to operate. And this strengthens the use of our natural curiosity while it tames our natural tendency sometimes to be judgmental, not only about ourselves but other people. And for supporting and sustaining innovation over time, leaders demonstrate, good leaders really demonstrate presence, their vulnerability, and their authenticity when they ask good, provocative questions and engage with others in a very transparent and humble way. And this conscious choice is a discipline that becomes easier with practice, intention, and reinforcement. One of the things I was thinking about as you were as you were talking, Andrea, is just the power of inquiry means that we're soliciting input from 
all different kinds of people. You mentioned diversity before, and certainly all different kinds of people with different backgrounds, different perspectives within the organization. And one of the things that I was certainly present to as you began speaking was the importance of soliciting information from people who don't normally offer it. In other words, maybe they're more introverted. And it's amazing what you learn when you let somebody talk. You stand back for a moment and give them space to talk. I'm sure you've, you've seen that over and over again, the power and the beauty of that when you stand back and see that. Oh, my God. Well, there's a big um, legend, really, um, in J&J uh, around um, innovation. Um, and Janssen, uh, the guy who Janssen Pharmaceutical is named for, he was known for going around as a scientist into the different laboratories and asking everyone out of the blue, so, what's new? So, what's new? And everyone started to get, like, ready to give him something that was new because he kept asking the question. And it, it, it totally jazzed up the innovation in that organization. Mm. How wonderful and a perfect way to send us into a break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We are on the air with Dr. Andrea Zenz, who is the president of Strategic Leadership Resources and the co-author of the book, Orchestrating Sustainable Innovation, A Symphony in Soundbites. We've been talking a good bit about how to shape and, and to um, stimulate innovation. After the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about how to support it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. 
You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thank you for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Dr. Andrea Zenz, who is the president of Strategic Leadership Resources and the co-author of the book, Orchestrating Sustainable Innovation, A Symphony in Soundbites. Before starting her own consulting practice, Andrea served in two executive roles at Johnson & Johnson as vice president of human resources for the J&J subsidiary Ortho. OrthoBiotech, Inc., and subsequently as Director of Leadership Development at J&J Corporate Headquarters. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this last little bit of time together here, Andrea, I want to talk about a few things that I think are important. First, I I want to get to the importance of leadership assessment and then, of course, development. I'm struck by the number of organizations that we work with that are very established and they're, they're very successful and they have done little assessment and development. What can, what's your perspective on assessment and development of leaders? Well, as we know, leadership drives culture, it drives action, it, it sets, you know, leadership is, uh, it sets the strategic plan. I mean, all things sort of flow from leadership. So the ability to ensure that you've got uh, a, a, the right kind of leaders for the strategy that you're trying to execute, as well as ensuring that they are developing in a way that helps to uh, create the conditions for innovation. Those are very important. And I think these really show up in partnerships, partnerships between leaders, partnerships between leader and employees, and outside concerns as well, because these are essential for generating the proverbial spark that leads to innovation. The entire innovation process from idea generation to execution is based in leaders' commitments to their followers as well as their dedication to evolving themselves as leaders. Now, this process ideally begins with formal and accurate skills assessment and continues with both structured and formal development efforts and is a way to move development beyond classrooms and coaching. Leaders frequently assign people to meaningful projects, and they themselves sponsor these projects. They, that these projects require the application of some newly acquired skills and experience. And we know now that it's through experience and practice that people grow and learn and accelerate that growth and learning. Applying new skills generates confidence and competence with new practices and habits. So leaders demonstrate commitment most effectively when they sponsor initiatives that develop other employees. So through formal coursework, coaching, on-the-job training, leaders can strengthen their benches with potentially skilled replacements and at the same time that they help people close skill and competency gaps. And because research has proven that learning is more powerful when it is experiential, leadership best practice is also to include special projects, international assignments, volunteer roles on boards, and other developmental initiatives in a potential leader's development plan. This gives them exposure to potential adjacencies, uh, new ideas as you know from other sources, just as we talked about previously. And when leaders create a deep innovation bench, they also optimize employee retention. Because building and sustaining innovation requires an effort to expand capacity. 
And when leaders line up, create a lineup of both current and potential internal candidates, they also develop and support their organization's innovation potential and capabilities. Now, here's a warning about a common mistake that's easily made when you're formulating training and development initiatives. Leaders sometimes predicate new projects on the competences needed to address the existing business and business as usual, rather than anticipating skills necessary for the future. When leaders look at development as the foundation for both current and emerging competences, then they really ensure sufficient preparation of of those high potentials. And when leaders link skill requirements to both present and future strategies, there's another benefit. The linkage often becomes aspirational, and then there's power to engage employees as they develop the required skills and experience because they can see what they're contributing to the future. It's very exciting. It's all based in the direction that the organization is taking. Mm. Oh, my goodness, Andrew. So just very quick, because I want to make sure I have enough time for at least one other question before we have to go. But I I do want to present that it's so important to socialize with other leaders because people don't know what they don't know about themselves as leaders, right? So as an example, when we go in to do any kind of a leadership initiative, we will have interviews with each of the participants ahead of time and just gauge where they think they are and what they want, how they want to develop and transform themselves. And it's amazing the number of people who say, I, I'm pretty good where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm a pretty good leader as it is. Um, so in other words, I think I'll just audit this whole course that you're going to send me through. And, and then as you get into it, they're, they're presenced, as you say, to that possibility of something completely transformative for themselves, and they get access to that possibility and, and recognize just how much they can grow. And so I just really think it's important. The assessment piece is so important. Socializing with other leaders to be able to learn from them, so important. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Well, we have just about, I guess, probably eight minutes left here. I want to make sure that I, I, I give to my listeners something that you, you that we've been teasing them with, and that's this whole notion of using the principles of jazz to lead innovation. I'm terribly intrigued by the idea here, and of course, I know that's the basis of your book. So tell us a little bit about this. Sure. Of course, we use throughout the book both symphony orchestras and jazz ensembles as a, a metaphor for innovating uh, and really speaking to the art and the science of innovation. So um, I'll use an example. John Cow, a former professor of innovation at Stanford and Harvard, uh, told us when he was contributing his uh, notes to the book that they must perform in ways that... Um, that uh, it's important to perform in ways that are similar to those employed by symphony orchestras and jazz musicians rather than by the methods most leaders use to manage their organizations currently. So let's take a quick look at this. Some leaders outside the art world are trained in the science of innovation, but very few have expertise in the art that's also required. Um, The art meaning a certain degree of intuition and uh, risk-taking and dreaming. The art of a professional symphony orchestra, for instance, first and foremost, is an expression of the creativity of its talent, namely its musicians. And their expertise is usually the result of years of preparation, mastery, and excellence. In highly innovative organizations, the art is evident 
in their talent as well. If leaders are to adapt to the ongoing dynamics of internal and external shifts in the market, for instance, or in the landscape they're working in, they have to continually anticipate and manage change while they also deliver on value. And a very few innovative symphony orchestras leaders are now blending a combination of classical and new music and some jazz, matching it in very culturally appropriate ways to the changing demographics and preferences of audiences today. Now, that's, an, that's really a metaphor, because if you take that to successful business leaders, um, they've been meeting and anticipating consumer needs for years, you know, through adjacencies, as we've mentioned, and expanded distribution. But these methods usually only facilitate very incremental innovation. But Cow, this wonderful professor, shows how a jazz metaphor best illustrates what else needs to be done. Business leaders like experienced jazz musicians often benefit from sort of playing with ideas that have the potential to meet current needs, but also to disrupt marketplaces and even entire industries. Without disruptive innovations, leaders might limit the growth of their organizations and ultimately compromise their ability to keep pace with competitors. And there are a lot of examples out there in the business world. In business settings, the science that can create and preserve value is like evident in... um, evident by producing strategic and operations planning, you know, and other critical processes such as a portfolio management and performance management and benchmarking and metrics and process, process optimization. All these things keep things in play, and they're very important. But when it, with jazz, jazz musicians bring things to life as they go along. They improvise. They, uh, they, they build and play off of each other. And we see this in leaders of startup operations. If you look at some of the really wonderful startup operations that have disrupted their industries and become highly successful, they do it through co-creation, collaboration, uh, bringing interesting ideas and adjacency into play. Jazz musicians and leaders of startups you know, have a lot in common. They deliberately produce something new or different. Mm. That sounds so incredibly exciting to me, and I, I, I really, one of the great things about doing breakthrough performance work and doing breakthrough projects is just exactly what you were saying before, Andrew, when we work with clients, you know, obviously we're helping them create or to produce the critical business outcome that they need, and in so doing, it's all of the efforts are wrapped into a project, of course, and it's that experience and, and living it, uh, practicing it that actually inculcates the, the abilities, and then create something totally different. It's, 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 it's magic every time for me to be able to to witness that. So I appreciate how you, you, you language that for us. Um, in our last bit of time together, we've got maybe just maybe two minutes if you can talk about this. Is you mentioned you have two actionable, idea, actionable ideas that lead to innovation, and I know our listeners would love to walk away with something they can put into, into effect immediately. So what do you yeah. have? Well, action, I, an actionable idea, um, I've got two of them. One is to ensure sustainability. You know, we can, we can create new exciting things. It's, it's the sustaining it that's so tough. So to ensure sustainability, leaders need to make sure that their organizations maintain a balance between competing priorities and conflicting forces. So how can leaders find the sweet spot between 
things that are competing, right? What's, what's our highest priority? I've got three A priorities and all these conf- conflicts. Um, what to do about the seemingly opposing forces? Leaders should find the right balance between idea generation and execution. One of our other contributors to the book, Vijay uh, Govda, well, I'll call him VG because I can never say his last name. And you also have the <laughs> co-author Chris Trimble. Uh, they both were. Uh, Chris Trimble is from the Tuck School. They both say there's just too much focus on idea generation and not enough on execution. They believe that's because people innately prefer the front end or the fun part of innovation, where brainstorming and other ways of generating ideas can be so much fun. Far less exciting, and certainly more grueling, is the back end of innovation, where ideas are translated into actionable strategies and then executed. Leaders at the back end of innovation are needed to keep projects on course and within budget, while continually looking for better, more efficient ways of operating. So, this actionable idea is to make sure you're paying a lot of attention to the exciting front end, but also finding balance in the back end, because that's what keeps things sustainable. Oh, that's, second, I'm going to have to, that's perfect, Andrew. We're, we're about out of time, so I want to make sure and be, tell listeners how to get to your, your website. We've got about 30 seconds left. So let me first thank you for being on the show, Andrew. You gave us a wealth of information. Thank you. You are so welcome. It's, been, it's really been fun. Thanks. Uh, it's, it has been delightful. And listeners, if you want to learn more about Dr. Andrea Zenz, go to, or her new book or what she's doing on, with, with her business and her consulting, go to her website. It's strategicleadershipresources.com. Again, strategicleadershipresources.com. Next week, we'll be on the air with Ed Christmas of Sology Solutions. We'll be talking about how smart cars and other technology advances will change the way we live and work. See you then. Remember that work is at least one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.